to Ephesians chapter 5, please. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to speak on music. I'll be honest, it is probably not the easiest thing to talk about uh, because everybody gives you dirty looks while you're preaching. Uh, I'm sure uh, uh, that the altars will not be packed tonight because that's just what happens when you talk about music. I don't know why. Uh, everybody's uh, got their own opinions and think how their uh, way of thinking about music differs from what they hear. And uh, I'll be honest, I'm very uncomfortable to speak tonight because uh, I probably will be pointed. I'll probably be maybe a little bit too pointed, and I don't want you to feel like I'm doing it out of anger or hatred. I do it because I love each and every one of you, and I'm very grateful and honored uh, that I get to serve here at First Baptist Church with you and uh, that you allow me the opportunity to do so. Uh, let's stand and read here, Ephesians chapter 5. We'll read, uh, start reading in verse number 18. It says, And be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Well, as you see here from this passage of Scripture, from Ephesians chapter 5, we see that God gives uh, two comparisons to some spirits or maybe the attitude that can be possessed within us. The Bible first talks about being drunk with wine where it is excess. And being drunk with wine, we know it changes someone's uh, 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 attitude. It changes how they respond to things. Uh, it makes them act totally differently. It's because they're not full of something that is of themselves. Uh, they lose control of their mind and uh, uh, their personality, really. Uh, some people who are the nicest people in the world, if you get them uh, full of alcohol, they become mean and nasty and hateful and uh, vehement. You just don't want to be around them. It's because they're full of something else that's not them. But the Bible tells us that when we're full of the Spirit, there's, there's byproducts to that. There are evidences of what happens when you're full of the Spirit. And what's interesting to see here, it's not just music, but if you see there, you speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns. But you also give thanks. You submit yourselves one to another. And then Paul goes into talking about uh, wives submitting, husbands loving, children obeying, servants or employees be obedient to your, uh, your bosses. It's interesting when you're full of the Spirit, capital S-P-I-R-I-T, that's the Holy Spirit. There's byproducts. You see it. There's no doubt, boy, that person is truly full of the Spirit. They're not full of themselves. They're not full of something else. They're easy to get along with. They're easy to talk with. They're easy to work with. They're not easily offended. Boy, if that uh, could be taught in this world society today about not being offended, I think that would make life a lot easier because everybody's offended about something. Some of you are offended by what I've already said, and I apologize, all right? There we go. Uh, but as you see in life, we're always, it, it, there's so many things that kind of grab hold of us and kind of shake us at the core, but when we're filled with the Spirit, well, there's peace, there's love, there's joy, there's kindness, there's long-suffering. There's so many uh, fruits of the Spirit that can counteract the, the evil spirit or the bad spirit that's within us. We see through the passage of Scripture, through many passages, some that have already been talked about from uh, Brother Collins, Brother Atkins, and uh, Brother Quozo about music. Uh, we see that music uh, is a very powerful tool in helping to bring somebody back to a spiritual state. 
just in my Bible reading this week, I was reading about how uh, Elisha was asked by Jehoshaphat, should we go up to war uh, against the Syrians? And he said, well, let's call for a minstrel or musician to play. And as he played, the Bible says that the Lord spoke to him and came to him and, and showed him what he was supposed to do. Uh, we see that in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23, we see that uh, there was an evil spirit from the Lord upon Saul, and he had to fight against this evil spirit, but it was his fault that it was upon himself in the first place. God had allowed him to uh, succumb to his own attitude and his own will. And when he did, when God allowed this, it didn't seem like anything could help him. And when uh, uh, David would come and he would take a an harp and he would play with his hand, the Bible says that Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit from the Lord departed from him. You know, music is a powerful tool, as Pastor has been talking about. And it's really hard to uh, kind of mold a sermon when Pastor's hitting all the good things in all of his sermons. But I want you to realize something. You can never hear too much about the topic of music. Because here's where we need to start to realize something. Satan, the first musical being that we see in the Bible, he was made to praise the Lord through music. Satan today, his most powerful tool is his musical expertise. But I wish I could go into talking about music and I get to teach a class at the college called Music in the Bible and I'd love to talk to you about some of my thoughts and maybe some things that I think music will be like in heaven. It's just really exciting to think about and uh, makes me want to get to heaven sooner and later. But as pastor says, I don't want to be on the next train out. I like it right here where I'm at right now. But I want us to realize music is important to God. And if music's important to God, it ought to be important to us. And here's the thing. Music is important to every single person in this room, just in different ways. Some people, I've had some people come and tell me, I don't like any type of music. I've had some people tell me, I like every kind of music. And you say, well, where do, you, where do I fall? Where do you fall? Well, somewhere in the middle, because we like to listen to music. I think Brother Atkins alluded to it a little bit when he gave his uh, testimony uh, or his uh, uh, music minute last Sunday night. He said, uh, according to studies, and there's a, a report called the Nelson Report out there that they look at this again every single year. And uh, right now, the average 18 to 24-year-old spends 33.6 hours a week listening to music. It's unbelievable to think about and imagine, but why don't you stop and think about it for a minute? you probably listen to a lot more music than what you realize. You ever been to a restaurant and there's no music playing? You look around like, what's wrong with this place? Does nobody like to eat here? Is this a, it's dark, it's dingy, everything looks nasty. Ever been to a restaurant where there's nice, pretty music flowing and it doesn't matter what they put in front of you, it's going to taste amazing because they're setting the right atmosphere and mood with the music that you're getting to hear. Music is something that we hear all the time, and when we don't hear it, it kind of, what's going on? Well, something's different. Uh, if you walked into this uh, auditorium 10 minutes until church service start, and you didn't hear the organ going, you would think, all right, what's going on? Is Mrs. Colston sick? Is she gone? And, and uh, that's happened a few times recently, and I kind of feel out of place. And I don't want to play the organ. That's the other reason why you don't hear any music going on. So as you see this, music is something we enjoy all the time and we hear. And it's a part of who we are and what we are. But what's so important to understand is who and what we are is 
who or what we expose ourselves to. If what we expose ourselves to is of the world's doing, then we're exposing ourselves to worldly influences. Now, a lot of times when we think about music, and I could get into the technical side of music, and I wish I could, but time would not allow me. Could I please give you a strong piece of advice? Brother Lapina, a couple years ago at youth conference, gave one of the best uh, music illustrations about what kind of music you should listen to and what kind of music you shouldn't listen to. If I started talking in musical terms like backbeat, backbeat and off rhythms and the incorrect syncopated rhythms, you all would just kind of tune me out and let it in one ear and out the other. But Brother Eddie takes some time and he uh, put a lot of effort into teaching that at youth conference. And you can find it on our webpage, uh, our YouTube page, and you can go and look at it and it'll explain exactly why we say this type of beat is wrong and this type of music you should be wary of. The problem is, is when you listen to it and it talks about the backbeat, it does cover a lot of different genres that some of us don't see anything wrong with. You know, there's a lot of good music uh, that has a lot of great words that is tainted by the rhythmic portion of the music. Music is made up of three parts, the melody, the harmony, and the rhythm. The melody is the most important because it's the words, it's the main focus. And if you didn't have melody, be honest, it would just be background music. The harmonies are uh, right there in the middle. They make it sound beautiful. If everybody always sang in the same uh, unison part, it would kind of get boring after a while. So harmony is the, the spice. But the rhythm is the part that really is not as important. Rhythm is anything that keeps timing or beat. Uh, the piano, it is considered a percussion instrument because of the way that it is made and used. And the piano at its core is a rhythmic instrument to help keep tempo. And the problem is, is Satan has taken what is the minor thing in music and has made it the major thing in music. Satan has taken this minor form of rhythm and he said, let's make it all about that. If you do any casual research about any major rock and roll group in the last 50 years, you will find them making some statement along these lines. It's all about the beat. You know, if you think about some of the music and songs that they write and the way that they speak and the way that they talk, they make it all about the beat. When you hear the cars coming down the road and you're at the stoplight and you're uh, you can hear them coming. It's the booming and the rattling and your car starts shaking and they get close enough right beside you. You can't understand anything that's going on. But they're in there just having a good old time, right? Because that rhythm is driving and really, let's be honest, it's kind of what they're focused on. What we don't understand is that we, if we steal from the world and we use their rhythm, we bring with it the associations and the problems that come with that rhythm. See, we think that this rhythm and this beat has only been a problem for the last hundred years. Uh, blues and ragtime and jazz, have, uh, they're about a hundred years old right now. I think 1917 was the first year that uh, a, a popular blues song was played, which really helped to bring about jazz and swing and ragtime and then rock and roll in the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and until now. And then we've had new genres jump on the scene, hip-hop and rap and R&B and soul and pop music. Uh, pop music and rap music are the two most popular forms of music today. 
For the last 50 years, it's been rock and roll music in the United States, but now they've been eclipsed by pop music and by rap music. And it's very interesting to even consider rap as a popular genre because it has some very dark background, has a lot of terribleness in its early stages, hatred towards women, violence toward women, things that shouldn't be talked about in a church service with young people that they would sing about and they would make popular. And it was no big deal to them because they were making money. You know, I talk about the, this, I, I do it carefully, but Southern gospel music at its core. If you do any type of casual study, and I'm not talking about a study from, the, from a Christian standpoint. I'm talking about a worldly standpoint. Southern gospel music was started for the sole purpose of making money. You can read it and study it and see that that at its core was what it was for. And at its core, Southern gospel music started with four guys and a piano. That was the way they are. Not today. They've added that beat. They've added that backbeat. And you've got to be so careful of this because when you add these things, you don't understand the associations and the problems that will come along with it. As Brother Quotzel talked about this morning from Exodus chapter number 32, the, the way and style in which they were singing and playing their music caused them to behave in a manner that was not appropriate. In Exodus 32, I believe it's verse 7 or 8, the Bible says that, uh, verse 7, it actually says that Aaron said, we're going to have a feast unto the Lord tomorrow. And that uh, Lord used there is all capital, L-O-R-D, which means Yahweh or Jehovah, the one supreme God. They thought they were going to worship God, but they were going to do it their way. And when they started to worship uh, uh, this idol, this bull idol Apis there in, the, in Exodus 32, they started to do it the only way they knew how. It was the way the Egyptians had taught them. We think that rock and roll music is something new, but I hate to tell you, it's in the Bible in Exodus 32. You do any casual study of the Egyptian culture, and you look at Egypt from its very beginnings, they have had an offbeat, rhythmic, rock style of music even since then. And what we don't understand is that this rock and roll music is nothing new. We can look at the Bible and learn from them, learn from that passage of Scripture what it causes. It, later in the chapter, it says, or the next verse, it says that they rose up to worship the idol. They ate, they drank, which was what happens at most parties. You eat and you drink, and then the Bible says they played. And I know and understand that we have uh, young kids in the crowd, but that same word play in the Hebrew is the same word that you'll find when Isaac and Rebekah sported together in Genesis. It's not new. If rock and roll wants to make it all about uh, uh, that type of lifestyle, they're not on something new. I think Solomon knew what he was saying when he said there's nothing new under the sun because we are just a repetition of the past. And the problem is, is when we don't understand the past, we're doomed to repeat it in the future. We're doomed to make the same mistakes. And the problem is, is we don't look at where that music has brought people. We just look at us and say, how does it make me feel? How does it make me respond? The problem is, is sin is pleasurable for a season. So yes, it makes you feel good. Yes, it makes you feel like there's nothing wrong because Satan knows how to make you feel that way. He knows how to make you feel like everything is all right because that's how you feel on the inside. 
Because you're not full of the Holy Spirit, you're full of your spirit. I hope that I can, in just a few minutes, show you an example that maybe help to clarify this and maybe kind of help you. But when it comes to music, nothing is new to music. It's all old. We're just getting back into it all over again. You know why? Because we're becoming a society that makes life all about us. We're becoming a society that makes it all about what makes me happy. If I only live once, YOLO, right? Come on, young people. If I only live once, right, let's just live it up as much as I can. Let's make it as enjoyable as possible. Let's see how that's doing for America. They're, they're talking about we keep living for ourselves. The, the, the debt to GDP ratio, that means the amount of money that the United States will make in one year, they're about to become even. And the problem is, is when you live for yourself, you have no control over other areas of your life. That's why when the Bible said in Exodus that when they were singing, they played, when Moses came off the mountain, he saw the children of Israel. The Bible said they were dancing. Now, I won't go into this much because this is a whole other study, but you see dance all throughout the Old Testament. The Bible in Psalms multiple times Moses, or excuse me, David said to dance. Not dancing like we think of. The problem is, is the world, Satan has taken that as well. We can't do that unto the Lord anymore in a church service because Satan has taken that and he's totally changed the idea and concept. The problem is, is I don't think when Moses came off the mountain and he was watching them dance, that it was unto the Lord. It was for themselves. It was sensual. It was heathen. It was wrong. And let me show you how much it upset Moses. Moses, the man of God, who will on multiple occasions in the Old Testament say, Lord, please don't kill them. Because if you kill them, the world is going to say, well, what kind of God are you? You bring them out of Egypt, you perform all these miracles just to let them die in the wilderness or their God killed them. Moses would go on their behalf to God so many times, but yet when he came off the mountain, in his hands he held the only tablet that God had taken his finger and had written on. And it angered him so much. The worldly music angered Moses so much, he took that and smashed it on the ground. When was the last time you got so angry at the world's music that you wanted to smash it and break it and destroy it and cast it out of your life? Problem is, is we don't have that opportunity anymore. I was telling that story to a, a staff member at the college this week, and they told me about how they remember as a teenager hearing someone preach about music, and they went home and broke all their records. And I said, man, well, I didn't say this. I probably should have. That gives your age away, okay? You probably shouldn't tell me that. We didn't have records. We didn't even have eight tracks. We, uh, uh, we had cassette tapes. Wow, I'm getting old now because nobody over here knows what that is, all right? A cassette tape and had uh, CDs. We still kind of have those, but I don't know about you, but we're going the way of streaming. Everything's on your phone. Music is free. It really doesn't cost anything. You can listen to as much as you want, whenever you want. And the problem is, is if we were to get rid of that music out of our life, it would mean getting rid of our devices, our cell phones. We'd have to change what kind of uh, devices we use. We'd have to get rid of our iPods. We'd have to smash our computers. And the problem is we just can't do that. We have too much money tied into it. I wonder how serious, though, we want to be with God about doing what's right. Are we willing to delete if we spent lots of money on music to get rid of it? 
Some of us, that's not our commitment level. And I don't want to fault you. Some of you in this room, you're a new Christian, and you're thinking, man, this guy's rough. He wants me to, to, to trash thousands of dollars worth of things. You know, we live too short of a life on this earth to be snagged by the snares of Satan. Because if we're only going to have 70 years, that's the best God promises us. If that's the best we're going to get, why would I waste so much time, 33 hours a week, listening to music? You say, well, it's the right type of music. Did you read your Bible and pray that much this week? Did you spend that much time thinking about church and the things of God? The problem is, is that we are replacing our relationship with God with music. And the thing is, is that we're trying to build a fake relationship that won't last, that won't be sustainable. We're building a relationship with God that is literally just service relationship. At the drop of a hat, we would break it off. You say, how do you think that way? Why do you think we would be so quick to run away from God? Because we do that with all of our other relationships. You offend me, so you're not my friend anymore. Hey, you're my wife. I don't like how you talk to me. We're getting a divorce. We're so quick to pull out of these relationships because the problem is, is we don't have a good relationship with God the Father. I'm not going to be much longer. I'm going to give you one example. I hope that will kind of tie all this together and make you see something and help you understand this concept from here, Ephesians chapter 5, about music. Uh, Brother Daniel, if you're in the back, if you could come out with that uh, box of stuff. I want to show you an example, and I hope I don't make an awful mess all over the carpet and everything up here because uh, we're going to use a food illustration. Uh, Brother Quotes have kind of inspired me this morning. That and I like chocolate milk a lot, so we're going to make an example here. <clears throat> I want to give you an example about being filled with the Spirit here today, and I'm going to use it by showing it hopefully to you. If I can show it to you, hopefully maybe it'll kind of tie some things together and maybe make things come to light. And if it doesn't, at least you'll see how to make some good chocolate milk, all right? I want to give you an example. These glass cylinders here today, I, I, I want you to imagine this represents you. You know, when you were born, you're empty. You don't have anything. You know, you have parents who come and they fill you with things. They teach you things. They teach you how to be a good son or a good daughter, how to be a good husband or wife, how to be a good brother or sister, how hopefully one day you will be a good mother or father or grandmother or grandfather if your parents let you live that long. And so hopefully you'll be filled with lots of good things. The thing is, though, is in, in your spiritual life, your spiritual life is empty. Until one day you put your trust in God. And when you put your trust in God, you are filled with God. God comes and he lives inside of you. So if this is you and you get saved, God comes and lives inside of you. And boy, this is a wonderful thing because now you're not just empty. There's something inside of you. And when God comes and lives inside of you, it's, there's byproducts. There's joy and happiness. There's a, a, an excitement of, I know I'm going to spend eternity in heaven instead of hell one day. I'm going to live forever where there's going to be goodness and good things, and I'll have a new body, and everything will be perfect. I have no fear of worrying about if I'm going to spend eternity in hell or in the lake of fire. But I'm going to fill up two glasses here to give you my example here. Then after you... <clears throat> are 
born, you're saved, then you get filled with the Spirit. Well, you know, if you're going to make good chocolate milk, okay, you have to have the right type of chocolate syrup, okay? Hershey's is good, but Hershey's first ingredient is high fructose corn syrup, okay, which is fake stuff. First ingredient, sugar, okay? That's the right stuff right there, okay? Dessert, I'm sorry, okay? Um, but when you want to make good chocolate milk, okay, this is going to represent the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes and he's going to fill you, okay, all right, you're going to come out, right? All right, it's been in there a while, all right? When you want to be filled with the Spirit, you want lots of the Spirit, right? You want so much Spirit, you want it to fall over you, right? You don't want just a little bit. You don't want just a portion. Don't give me like, a, it's like when you have vanilla ice cream and you want chocolate syrup and somebody puts a little drizzle. You're like, what is wrong with you? Give me the whole stinking bottle and just throw it on there, okay? But you, when you want to be filled with the Spirit, you want all of it. If I could get this whole bottle in here, I would, okay? We're going to say that's enough for right now. But then when you get filled with the Spirit, something amazing happens because as you, God, the Holy Spirit, start to work together, everything starts to look really, really good. It starts to taste really, really good. Our milk has turned... Uh, from white into a dark color. We know that there's, hey, amen, Brother Daryl. You know there's, you know that's going to taste good. I guarantee you if we had the teenagers here, uh, I would have a line for uh, fighting who would drink this afterwards. But let's, let's be honest. When, when everything is the right ingredients, it all mixes well together. And when you drink it and when you get to enjoy it, and you're like, oh, man. That is just awesome. And you get to enjoy the, the benefits of being saved and the Holy Spirit living inside of you. It makes you happy. Boy, I'm really happy when I drink chocolate milk and I get to enjoy the taste and the sweetness of it. It brings a smile to my face. It doesn't make me sad then. Later it does when I realize how much I'm going to have to work out to get rid of that. But it makes me very happy. And when you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, the fruits of the Spirit start to come out. You start to make other people happy. You start to bring other people joy. You start to bring other people because you say, look, can I tell you how awesome this is? You need some too. You need to spend time with God and you need to pray and you need to ask for a Holy Spirit anointing. And the only way that comes is through prayer. So often we are not willing to Pray the price, as it's been told us so many times. When we're filled with the Spirit, as the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, that we will want to speak and sing and make melody from our heart. And when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you know what kind of songs you'll want to sing? You'll want to sing songs like, Oh Lord my God, when I am awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe display. Then sings my soul, how great thou art. And you can't say it without a tear coming to your eye because the Holy Spirit 
and you and God and the relationship that you've built together is just so sweet. And it is so precious that there's no doubt what kind of singing and melody you're making in your heart to the Lord because it's pure. It's unadulterated. It's not tainted with the world's idea. It's not tainted with self. It's not filled with anything else except you, God, the Holy Spirit, and what Jesus did to bring it all together. But then here's what happens. You get saved, and the Holy Spirit, the God, lives inside of you. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. There's no doubt where you're going to spend eternity. Yet Satan comes to you, and he says, boy, let me tell you about the Holy Spirit I got for you today. I won't tell you what story you get this from, but this is a lot cheaper than this stuff right here, okay? This stuff, the first ingredient is high fructose corn syrup. You know, when I pop the top, it smells like chocolate. It smells exactly the same way. But you and I both know this is when money's tight. This is the chocolate syrup we get right here. Because this is like $4 and this is $1.79. Praise the Lord. Amen. But when we have Satan come to us and say, look, here's a, here's a good imitation. It's not as good as this, but some of the same ingredients are in here. And if I read the ingredient list, some of it is the same. He says, so you're going to get some of the same Holy Spirit. But when you start to pour it, you start to see things are just not the same. You know, I can say, wait a second. Now, this, the devil told me this was the same. This is... It says chocolate syrup. It still smells like chocolate syrup, but there is something wrong with what he's giving me. It's not doing the same. Wait a minute. Maybe if I mix it up, some extra prayer, right? Uh, I've been filling myself with this spirit that Satan's given me. Let me, let me see here. If I mix it up, what it's going to do. Okay, there's some chocolate syrup in there. You see it? I mean, it's in there, but what is all this extra stuff? You know, there's starting to be some other stuff in there. I I don't understand. See, what happens is when Satan comes to you, he offers you something that sounds similar. The words are okay. They say Jesus. They say God. They say Holy Spirit. But when I start to pour it in there, maybe there is some chocolate syrup in there, but I don't know if you want to drink that. I don't know if you want to ingest that because... Something else isn't mixing right. And the problem is, is you've got some of the Holy Spirit in there because there might be some good words. It might encourage you a little bit, but the problem is, is Satan offered it to you. Satan is not your friend. Satan is not here to try to get you to be closer to God. Satan is not trying to show you and, and, and help you build your relationship with God because if you're saved, he knows he can't get you out of heaven into hell with him. The best he can do is try to change your perception, mess with you in such a way where you're not being able to be used like you should be. The problem is, is when he offers you some of the things of the Holy Spirit, as he says, you've got to understand, Satan very seldom comes to you and says, hey, let's go commit a murder. Hey, let's go lie and cheat and steal. Hey, let's go out and rob a bank. He starts by saying, hey, you know, church is important. But you don't have to go three times a week. 
You could go once, twice a week. I mean, come on. Maybe not three times a week, maybe three times a month. That, maybe that's what you're supposed to do. And Satan never tells you something that you don't know to be true. He just changes the way it looks. We see that in the Bible. He did it with, with Eve. He said, look, Eve, it's, it's, not that you, uh, uh, it's not that you shouldn't eat the fruit. We know God said that, but the reason is, and he gave her an excuse of why she should do it. When Satan comes to us and says, look, I want you... Look, we can get you filled with the Spirit. He can get you filled with the Holy Spirit. And maybe there's some of it there, but there's a whole lot of something that isn't the Holy Spirit. There's a whole lot of something in there that doesn't mix with God. There's a whole lot of stuff that doesn't, when you mix it all together with church and trying to go soul winning and reading your Bible and praying, some of it doesn't mix right. And the thing is, is the bad always rises to the top. The bad always shows itself eventually. Why? Because be sure your sin will find you out. When we're listening to things that aren't of God, of not of the Holy Spirit, not things he wants us to listen to, what happens is Satan will convince us otherwise and say, there's some good in there. There's some good. I mean, this kind of looks a little chocolatey and looks a little bit yummy and enjoyable, but this is all the stuff he didn't tell you about. This is the depravity of sin. You know, when contemporary Christian music first came onto the scenes in the late 1960s, the church initially pushed back against it because it sounded so much like rock and roll. The church had already taken a very strong stance against rock and roll because they had seen what rock and roll music had done in the 50s and 60s. Elvis Presley came along and he... I know I said Elvis Presley, and a lot of us, we listen to him like it's no big deal now because it's 60 years later. But if it was wrong in the 1950s and 60s, it's still wrong today. And when we don't realize is he created an appetite for things that were unspiritual. And in 1967, when the Beatles came to America and they went on to the Ed Sullivan show, 197 million people lived in the United States and 76 million people Watch the debut of the Beatles on TV. Those, aren't, those are statistics. You can look them up. We're talking in the 1960s when most Americans still went to church on a regular basis. We're talking about the 1960s when most people wouldn't even walk out in public ladies with pants on because it was considered to be inappropriate. What happened was, is there was an appetite created, and when people saw what that appetite would bring and how it brought happiness and joy to the young people, the older people just kind of stepped back and just said, what are we supposed to do? They just like it so much. It's so enjoyable. And when contemporary Christian music came onto the scene in the late 1960s, by the 1970s, a man by the name of Paul Wagliamuth wrote a book saying, Changing Church. And he said, in the 1970s, we'll change the way that the church looks at the rock and roll rhythmic backbeat. And they will start to accept it and will forget all about what that type of music did to the generation in the 50s and 60s. That was a church person. That wasn't some worldly person saying that. That was somebody who wrote an article, and that article I just talked about went into contemporary Christian music magazine. They wanted to change the way people viewed the music so it would be acceptable. Why? 
Because it made people feel good. Because it gave them the uh, fuzzy wuzzies. And what they didn't realize is when they brought that music in, it had a whole bunch of stuff that they didn't know would come with it. Why are we as a church having to say you shouldn't drink as Christians? Because the music we bring in, the music we listen to, has effects we never thought would be attached. Why is it that we have to stand up and say, you ought to go to church three times a week because the world tells us? Something's just not right, man. The music I listen to, it's, that just doesn't make sense to me. It's not driving with my spirit, and I know I'm saved, and I'm, I kind of read my Bible and pray. I kind of spend time with God, but what you put in is what's going to come out. What you put into your body is what's going to come out. And if the Bible teaches us that a byproduct of being filled with the Spirit is the right type of music, then putting the wrong type of music in will have the same effect as well. And the problem is, is you're saved. You have the sum of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and He's fighting you, saying, what are you doing? Do you not know what that's going to do to you? Because if the Holy Spirit's going to get in now, more of the Holy Spirit, what has he got to go through? The junk, the garbage, the baggage. And the problem is, is Satan, once he has you, makes you feel so guilty that you don't even want to try to ask the Holy Spirit to change you because you're embarrassed. Like, Lord, why, why would you even try to do anything with me? I'm tainted. I'm broke. I messed up. Things aren't right between you and me. See, what we don't understand, and for time's sake, I can't, but I would tell you, if you put enough of the Holy Spirit in, it gets the bad out. You know, if we filled this whole bottle up with chocolate syrup, eventually that stuff on the top would come flowing out the top. We're not going to do that because I don't want to clean it up afterwards. But that's what happens. When you put enough of the Holy Spirit, and you have to realize to get rid of this is going to take time. When people hear a message about something they're struggling with, somehow they think, run to the altar, say a quick prayer, pour my heart out to God, and tomorrow I'll see how everything will be better. That's not how life works. If it took you years of putting that in, it's going to take months or years to get it all out. And what you have to do is you have to realize, I have to work on this every single day. It can't just be a one-and-done opportunity. It can't be a one-and-done, go to the altar, pray, ask the Holy Spirit to fill me and fix me and change me and convict me and help me to see what I need to do is right. It has to be daily. It might have to be hourly. It might have to be every single minute. You might have to pray without ceasing and say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit so that I don't be full of my own. Lord, fill me with your spirit so that you and I, we can mix together. And Lord, when we do it right, we're a help and a blessing to other people because I'm not in this world to make it all about me. I'm in this world to reach somebody else and to win somebody else and to reproduce myself. If that's what I'm called to do in the Great Commission, what am I trying to reproduce here? Do I want my Christians to be like this too? Or do I want them to be like this? And the thing is, is I want to make sure that I have things right in my life and that I'm making sure I'm right, that I'm listening to what I'm supposed to be doing and that I'm obeying the Holy Spirit's promptings. 
And what it takes is you getting alone with God and praying and saying, Lord, maybe I don't understand everything about music. But Lord, if you tell me in the word, I don't know how I should pray. Then Lord, show me what music you don't want me to listen to and I'll cut it out. You know, as a musician, this is going to sound weird to you because you might not totally understand it, and I apologize. But to me, as a musician, sometimes I can replace a relationship with God by listening to good music. And I will use that as an substitution for the real thing. And I'll think myself to be spiritual. And here's the problem. I can listen to good music and be just as much sin as somebody who listens to bad music. For the few musicians in the room, that might make sense to you, where the rest of you are like, what did you just say? But can I help you understand it like this? If you'll pray and talk to God, he'll show you exactly what music you should not be listening to. You say, how will I know? Because when there's nothing between you and the Holy Spirit, you can hear him a whole lot better. When he says, hey, you know, you probably shouldn't do that, you listen. When the Holy Spirit says, hey, you probably shouldn't be listening to that music, it doesn't, it doesn't jive right. It doesn't fit right. It doesn't, it doesn't go with me. You'll say, all right, Holy Spirit, I'll listen. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit today. Don't push him aside. Some of us, we need to come to God and we need to say, Lord, it might not just be music. Lord, it might be other areas in my life. I'm just not surrendering to you. Lord, I'm so full of myself. There's no way I'm hearing from you. Because you can use this illustration for any area of your life. Because when you're not filled with the Spirit, you're full of other things and it causes problems. Can I end with this thought? Maybe not about music. Some of you in this room today, spiritually, you're still this right here. You're not saved. And you wonder why you keep trying to put the Holy Spirit in and nothing is happening. Because you know you're not saved. You know you've been playing Christian for a long time. You know that there is no more Holy Spirit inside of you than there was 10 years ago because God doesn't even live with inside of you. And you've been fighting with your salvation for way too long. Some of you, you have no idea what I'm talking about. The whole sermon tonight, you're like, wow, I don't get that. Why? Because you're not saved yet. God doesn't live inside of you. And can I tell you, for those of you who are not saved, you need to get God inside of you first before you can understand the rest of this. For the rest of us who've been saved for 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 years, can I tell you something? Don't succumb to the new generation that says, well, this is the music we like to listen to. Let us just have it. Your parents did that, and look what it got us. I don't mean to be that hateful and mean, and there's great people that have done great things, but because a generation didn't stand up and say, no, we fight this music battle today. We fight the contemporary Christian battle today. We fight the contemporary church movement. Why? Because there weren't people who stood up a long time ago and says, look, what Satan is selling isn't the real deal. It's a cheap imitation, and to be honest, I don't even know if it's totally real because there's something else in there that is not fitting with everything else. 
So can I ask you today, what are you going to do? You hear a sermon like this, you've heard three sermons already about music, and some of you are still like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And maybe tonight you're still going to struggle with it. You're going to get two more sermons about it next Sunday. Amen, preacher. We love that. Can I encourage you? If you don't know what to do and you're fighting, you're struggling, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you, and you can't go wrong. Because if you are listening to the Holy Spirit, it'll all fit together perfectly.